0: Good morning. I think we're all definitely entering into the phase of transition at this point. So, if I should say now for the next 24 minutes, just focus right now just on shamatha, don't think about the future. I think I may as well just save my breath. (laughs) Right. At the same time as we are clearly now anticipating where we're going from here. I think an important point that just came up recently in a conversation with one person here, but it's relevant to all of us, is that, especially as we venture out into the world, the world of multitasking, sensory bombardment, massive overload, stress, too much work, too little sleep, and so forth, it's easy to be a bit discouraged, thinking, oh, when I was in that wonderful setting in Phuket, my mind got fairly balanced, and now, everything I accomplished is now gone. It was just a nice little, spiritual vacation, but now I'm back to the real world. It's very easy to fall into that. But it's also a really terrible mistake. It's it's not true. And that is whatever, just as if we just spent the last eight weeks, I don't know, doing something really unwholesome. I wouldn't even give it an example. But you know, something really terribly unwholesome. And then at the end, thinking, oh, no, I can't do that, do that anymore. You know, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Boy, it was a waste of time because I was hoping I could do that more and now I can't. Well, no, those eight weeks really count. <laughs> Either way, momentum is built up. You know, for better or worse, momentum is built up. The seeds are there, the momentum is there. The habituation, the experience, the knowledge, the insight is there. And this is where the substrate comes in, right? So I think there's very good evidence now, I, from my own experience but also many, of other, many other people, is that even though on the surface, you may, and I'm not saying this will be the case, but you may feel that a lot of what you'd cultivated, experienced, realized kind of seems to evaporate You know, when you venture out into this very complex world. It's on the surface. The momentum is there. And certainly, on the one hand, if you have the opportunity to go into retreat again, like maybe one day a week for the rest of your life, no except, yeah, one day a week, that would be really good, uh, that will keep the momentum up. Other longer retreats also very good. But the point I'm really getting at is not that we should become re- retreat junkies. I am a retreat junkie. So, you know, there's, there's no question about that. But I'm not saying everybody should be. you know, Or that you're somehow a lesser soul if you're not a retreat junkie. But yes, I'm an unabashed, unrepentant and practicing retreat junkie. This is true. Um, but meanwhile, we do engage with the world. And to think that genuine happiness, eudaimonia, will be beyond our reach because our minds are not profoundly setting into the substrate, we're not experiencing sublime ease, stability, vividness at all times, and feeling now it's a chimera, it's a, a will-o'-the-wisp, an illusion I can't reach. It's, it's a mistake. It's, too, it's very easy in any type of practice, whether it's OM or whether it's TM, or whether it's... Or whether it's Dzogchen or anything to think, okay, Dharma is really this. Okay, well, Dharma is really just shamatha. Oh, what a terrible mistake. As important as it is. No, it's much, much broader. So we've been practicing here, shamatha, but also the four immeasurables. And genuine happiness is ever so important to recall. Arises, number one, it does not depend upon hedonic stimulation. Pleasant stimulation, doesn't doesn't depend upon that. Take away the hedonic stimulation, sit in a room all by yourself, you might try it sometime, <laughs> and you can find that actually you can be quite, at least quite peaceful, serene, and maybe experience a sense of well-being, maybe even experience bliss, some of you have, uh, without any stimulation from outside at all, okay? You're tapping into eudaimonia. But it's not only in meditation that eudaimonia arises. It's in a simple act of kindness. You're walking along a street and somebody says, I'm kind of lost, can you give me directions? I'm trying to go here. And you quite happily give this person your full attention, you drop everything else you're doing, and you give the person, if you know, if you know where you're going, you know, it might be good, I want to help you no matter what, Gee, you know. But a simple act of kindness can give you eudaimonia. Because it's not this person stimulating in a pleasant way, I and mean, a person just asks for directions. But you can actually experience eudaimonia, giving some directions. You know. A helpful hand, a smile, can provide you with eudaimonia. You offer a smile of kindness, of warmth, of consideration, a show of sympathy. You're not getting it from outside. This is something you gave so nobody can take it away. Leaning simply an ethical way of life. On occasion, knowing that one is tempted to do something one knows full well is unwholesome. Knows full well the long-term repercussions will not be good. Still is tempted because it will give short-term gratification. And then showing resistance, then not doing it. And then looking back and saying, ah, that's what I remember. I had an opportunity to do something really unwholesome, clearly, would have been fun, but unwholesome. And now my memory is, I showed restraint where restraint was appropriate. And I get to hold that memory for the rest of my life. Whereas if I'd screwed up, then I'd have however minute, h- however long the pleasure is, whether it's one minute or, or a, ye- a month, you get to have that pleasure for that time, and then for the rest of your life, you get to have the memory of screwing up and then then you can just watch the damage on flow. Right? So, yudhamanya, from showing wholesome restraint where this is appropriate. yudhamanya, from leading simply an ethical way of life, a benevolent way of life. As the Dalai Lama says, religion, not reincarnation, karma, four noble truths, but kindness is my religion. Right? Of course he believes in incarnation karma, so do I. But the core is having a good heart, and that is where eudaimonia comes from. Yeah? So out of that, in terms of the four measurables, I, I know perfectly well the four measurables can be difficult to meditatively cultivate. It's not that easy, because it starts out very conceptual, can look like a bit more like a mental exercise and really cultivating the heart. It does come, I mean, these have been practiced for a long time, and not just to develop new concepts, but it can be a bit slow in coming. But bear in mind, then, the Buddhist teachings, once again, this is one very valuable way to cultivate immeasurable loving-kindness and and so forth. But there's another way, complementary to it, live in a loving fashion. However other people treat you, live in a loving fashion. We don't love their behavior, we don't love their mental afflictions. We can love people. Live in a compassionate fashion. Live in an empathetic fashion. And blow people's minds absolutely blow people's mind, rock their world by treating strangers and those who treat you badly and those who treat you well with an equally open heart, a heart of caring, looking through their be- uh, mental afflictions, through their behavior. You will rock their world because people who are belligerent, who are mean, who are selfish, who are greedy and so forth, often they know it and then they expect people to treat, treat them badly because they treat other people badly. You'll rock their world. While not being Pollyanna, not being naive, silly, thinking, oh, the person's really nice. I'll just you know, pretend like the person's really nice. Well, no, they're probably not nice. They're probably greedy, harsh, manipulative, and so forth. There are people like that. It's a habit. But seeing through that, and not letting yourself be manipulated, exploited by them. We're certainly not here to be a doormat. But still to seek, like a doctor who's looking upon a delirious patient not loving the delirium, not loving the behavior, but seeing through the delirium, how can I help? Is there any way I can help? Maybe it's just to sit quietly and send you my loving kindness. So, yudhomaniya, we don't need to wait. We don't need to wait one day. We don't need to wait to achieve some higher level of shamatha or to preserve some higher level of shamatha practice. Eudomania starts... By exercising wise and meaningful restraint when we may be inclined to do something we know is unwholesome. By actively engaging in the world in a beneficial way. And then just gradually, step by step, breath by breath, cultivating a sense of ease, of stillness, of clarity within. And then out of that balance, cultivating greater insight into what on earth is going on, what's happening, what's reality and then rocking our world, blowing our minds to find, contrary to the widespread views of modernity, that to know reality as it is, is to give rise to a sense of well-being that surpasses anything you can imagine. That's an incredible hypothesis. What better way to spend a life than to put that hypothesis to the test of experience? Let's practice in silence. Also, I'd like to remind you of a very good psychological truth. I mentioned it before, it's worth remembering. And that is, studies have been done of people who are just generally very happy. And they have a common characteristic. Throughout the course of the days, day after day, month after month, they find many, many things to be happy about. Little things. They're not waiting to win a lottery or whatever they finding little things, but many, many. So in a similar fashion with shamatha, it's a glass one-tenth full or a glass nine-tenths empty. And that is, we can either be discouraged by how many times our minds are wandering and think, I suck, I'm so terrible at this, everybody else is better. They probably are, but you still shouldn't be discouraged. <laughs> or, we can just simply take delight in every time we come back home. Every time you get a breath, that you're attending as you breathe in, and you're relaxing and remaining present as you breathe out. Every thought, every image, every impulse of the mind that you're able to be aware of without being totally sucked up into it. Every moment you're able to come back to that still point of just being aware in your own awareness. Every moment you're there, to take delight in that. And then when you see that the mind is strayed. Be happy that it's over. (laughs) Because by the time you recognize your mind is distracted, it isn't any longer. So you just have one reason after another to be happy. (laughs) So start now. (laughs) See you later.